Chapter Nine, Part Six of the General History of the Pirates, Volume One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kate McKenzie. The General History of the Pirates, Volume One by Charles Johnson. Chapter Nine, Part Six. Hither Roberts came the end of June, seventeen twenty-one and had intelligence that the Swallow and Weymouth, two men of war of fifty guns each, had left that river about a month before, and designed to return about Christmas, so that the pirates could indulge themselves with all the satisfaction in the world, in that they knew they were not only secure whilst there, but that in going down the coast after the men of war, they should always be able to get such intelligence of their rendezvous as would serve to make their expedition safe so after six weeks stay the ships being cleaned and fitted and the men weary of whoring and drinking they bethought themselves of business and went to see the beginning of august taking their progress down the whole coast as low as jacquin plundering every ship they met of what was valuable in her and sometimes to be more mischievously wicked they would throw what they did not want overboard accumulating cruelty to theft in this range they exchanged their old friendship for a fine frigate-built ship called the Onslow, belonging to the Royal African Company, Captain G. Commander, which happened to lie at Sestos to get water and necessaries for the company. A great many of Captain G.'s men were ashore when Roberts bore down, and so the ship consequently surprised into his hands, though had they all been on board it was not likely the case would have been otherwise, the sailors most of them voluntarily joining the pirates, and encouraging the same disposition in the soldiers, who were going passengers with them to Cape Corso Castle, whose ears, being constantly tickled with the feats and gallantry of those fellows, made them fancy that to go was only being bound on a voyage of knight-errantry, to relieve the distressed and gather up fame, and so they likewise offered themselves. But here the pirates were at a stand. They entertained so contemptible a notion of landmen, that they put him off with refusals for some time till at length being wearied with solicitations and pitying a parcel of stout fellows which they said were going to starve upon a little cankian plantain they accepted of them and allowed them one quarter share as it was then termed out of charity there was a clergyman on board the onslow sent from england to be chaplain of cape corso castle some of the pirates were for keeping him alleging merrily that their ship wanted a chaplain accordingly they offered him a share to take on with them promising he should do nothing for his money but make punch and say prayers yet however brutish they might be in other things they bore so great a respect to his order that they resolved not to force him against his inclinations and the parson having no relish for this sort of life excused himself from accepting the honour they designed him they were satisfied and generous enough to deliver him back everything he owned to be his the parson laid hold of this favourable disposition of the pirates, and laid claim to several things belonging to others, which were also given up, to his great satisfaction. In fine, they kept nothing which belonged to the church, except three prayer-books and a bottle-screw. The pirates kept the onslow for their own use, and gave Captain G. the friendship, and then fell to making such alterations as might fit her for a sea-rover, pulling down her bulkheads and making her flush, so that she became in all respects as complete a ship for their purpose as any they could have found. They continued to her the name of the Royal Fortune, and mounted her with forty guns. 
she and the ranger proceeded, as I said before, to Jacquois, and from thence to Old Calabar, where they arrived about October in order to clean their ships, a place the most suitable along the whole coast, for there is a bar with not above fifteen foot water upon it, and the channel intricate, so that had the men of war been sure of their being harboured there, they might still have bid defiance to their strength, for the depth of water at the bar, as well as the want of a pilot, was a sufficient security to the rovers, and invincible impediments to them. Here, therefore, they sat easy, and divided the fruits of their dishonest industry, and drank and drove care away. The pilot who brought them into this harbour was Captain L., who for this and other services was extremely well paid, according to the journal of their own accounts, which do not run in the ordinary and common way of debtor contra creditor, but much more concise, lumping it to their friends, and so carrying the debt in their heads against the next honest trader they meet. They took at Calabar Captain Lone, and two or three Bristol ships, the particulars of all which would be an unnecessary prolixity, therefore I come now to give an account of the usage they received from the natives of this place. The Calabar Negroes did not prove so civil as they expected, for they refused to have any commerce or trade with them, when they understood they were pirates. An indication that these poor creatures, in the narrow circumstances they were in, and without the light of the gospel or the advantage of an education, have, notwithstanding such a moral innate honesty, as would upbraid and shame the most knowing Christian. But this did but exasperate these lawless fellows, and so a party of forty men would attach to force a correspondence, or drive the negroes to extremities, and they accordingly landed under the fire of their own cannon. The negroes drew up in a body of two thousand men, as if they intended to dispute the matter with them, and stayed till the pirates advanced within pistol-shot. But, finding the loss of two or three made no impression on the rest, the negroes thought fit to retreat, which they did with some loss. The pirates set fire to the town, and then returned to their ships. This terrified the natives, and put an entire stop to all the intercourse between them, so that they could get no supplies, which obliged them as soon as they had finished the cleaning and trimming of their ships, to lose no time, but went for Cape Lopez, and watered, and at Anabona took aboard a stock of fresh provisions, and then sailed for the coast again. This was their last and fatal expedition, which we shall be more particular in, because it cannot be imagined that they could have had assurance to have undertaken it, but upon a presumption that the men of war, whom they knew were upon the coast, were unable to attack them, or else pursuant to the rumour that had indiscretionally obtained at Sierra Leone, gone thither again. It is impossible at this time to think they could know of the weak and sickly condition they were in, and therefore founded the success of this second attempt upon the coast on the latter presumption, and this seems to be confirmed by their falling in with the coast as low as Cape Lahoo, and even that was higher than they designed, in the beginning of January, and took the ship called the King Solomon, with twenty men in their boat and a trading vessel, both belonging to the company. The pirate ship happened to fall about a league to leeward of the King Solomon at Cape Apollonia, and the current and wind opposing their working up with the ship, they agreed to send the longboat, with a sufficient number of men to take her. The pirates are all volunteers on these occasions, the word being always given, who will go, and presently the stanch and firm men offer themselves, because, by such readiness, they recommend their courage, and have an allowance also of a shift of clothes, from head to foot, out of the prize. 
they rode towards the king solomon with a great deal of alacrity and being hailed by the commander of her answered defiance captain treherne before this observing a great number of men in the boat began not to like his visitors and prepared to receive them firing a musket as they came under his stern which they returned with a volley and made greater speed to get on board upon this he applied to his men and asked them whether they would stand by him to defend the ship it being a shame they should be taken by half their number without any repulse but his boatswain phillips took upon him to be the mouth of the people and put an end to the dispute he said plainly he would not laid down his arms in the king's name as he was pleased to term it and called out to the boat for quarters so that the rest by his example were misled to the losing of the ship when they came on board they brought her under sail by an expeditious method of cutting the cable walden one of the pirates telling the master this your hope of heaving up the anchor was a needless trouble when they designed to burn the ship they brought her under commodore roberts's stern and not only rifled her of what sails cordage etc they wanted for themselves but wantonly throwed the goods of the company overboard like spendthrifts that neither expected or designed any account on the same day also they took the flushing a dutch ship robbed her of masts yards and stores and then cut down her foremast but what sat as heavily as anything with the skipper was their taking some fine sausages he had on board of his wife's making and stringing them in a ludicrous manner round their necks till they had sufficiently showed their contempt of them and then threw them into the sea others chopped the heads of his fowls off to be dressed for their supper and courteously invited the landlord provided he would find liquor it was a melancholy request to the man but it must be complied with and he was obliged as they grew drunk to sit quietly and hear them sing french and spanish songs out of his dutch prayer-books with other profaneness that he though a dutchman stood amazed at in chasing too near in they alarmed the coast and expresses were sent to the english and dutch factories giving an account of it they were sensible of this error immediately and because they would make the best of a bad market resolved to keep out of sight of land and lose the prizes they might expect between that and wider to make the more sure of that port where commonly is the best booty all nations trading thither especially portuguese who purchased chiefly with gold the idol their hearts were bent upon and notwithstanding this unlikely course they met and took several ships between axim and that place the circumstantial stories of which and the panic terrors they struck into his majesty's subjects being tedious and unnecessary to relate i shall pass by and come to their arrival in that road they came to wider with a st george's ensign a black silk flag flying at their mizzen peak and a jack and pendant of the same the flag had a death in it with an hourglass in one hand and crossbones in the other a dart by it and underneath a heart dropping three drops of blood the jack had a man portrayed in it with a flaming sword in his hand and standing on two skulls subscribed a b h and a m h that is a barbadian's and a martinican's head as has been before taken notice of here they found eleven sail in the road english french and portuguese the french were three stout ships of thirty guns and upwards of a hundred men each yet when roberts came to fire they with the other ships immediately struck their colours and surrendered to his mercy one reason it must be confessed of his easy victory was the commanders and a good part of the men being ashore according to the custom of the place 
to receive the cargoes and return the slaves, they being obliged to watch the seasons for it, which otherwise, in so dangerous a sea as here, would be impracticable. These all, except the porcupine, ransomed with him for eight pound of gold dust, a ship, not without the trouble of some letters passing and repassing from the shore before they could settle it, and, notwithstanding the agreement and payment, they took away one of the French ships, though with a promise to return her, if they found she did not sail well, taking with them several of her men for that end. Some of the foreigners, who never had dealing this way before, desired for satisfaction to their owners that they might have receipts for their money, which were accordingly given, a copy of one of them I have here subjoined, viz. This is to certify whom it may or doth concern, that we, gentlemen of fortune, have received eight pounds of gold dust, for the ransom of the hardy, Captain Ditwit commander, so that we discharge the said ship. Witness our hands, this 13th of January, 1721-2, to Bat Roberts, Harry Glasby. Others were given to the Portuguese captains, which were in the same form, but, being signed by two waggish fellows, viz. Sutton and Simpson, they subscribed by the names of Aaron Whifflingpin, Sin Tugmutu. But there was something so singularly cruel and barbarous done here to the porcupine, Captain Fletcher, as must not be passed over without special remark. This ship lay in the road, almost slaved, when the pirates came in, and the commander being on shore settling his accounts, was sent to for the ransom, but he excused it, as having no orders from the owners, thought the true reason might be that he thought it dishonourable to treat with robbers, and that the ship, separate from the slaves, towards whom he could mistrust no cruelty, was not worth the sum demanded. Hereupon Robert sends the boat to transport the negroes, in order to set her on fire, but being in haste and finding that unshackling them cost much time and labour, they actually set her on fire, with eighty of those poor wretches on board, chained two and two together, under the miserable choice of perishing by fire or water. Those who jumped overboard from the flames were seized by sharks, a voracious fish, in plenty in this road, and, in their sight, tore limb from limb alive, a cruelty unparalleled and for which had every individual been hanged few i imagine would think that justice had been rigorous the pirates indeed were obliged to dispatch their business here in haste because they had intercepted a letter from general phipps to mr baldwin the royal african company's agent at wider giving an account that roberts had been seen to windward of cape three points that he might the better guard against the damages to the company's ships if he should arrive at that road before the swallow man of war which he assured him at the time of the letter was pursuing them to that place roberts called up his company and desired they would hear phipps's speech for so he was pleased to call the letter and notwithstanding their vapouring persuaded them of the necessity of moving for says he such brave fellows cannot be supposed to be frightened at this news yet that it were better to avoid dry blows which is the best that can be expected if overtaken this advice weighed with them and they got under sail having stayed only from thursday to saturday night and at sea voted for the island of annabona but the winds hanging out of the way crossed their purpose and brought them to cape lopez where i shall leave them for their approaching fate and relate some further particulars of his majesty's ship the swallow viz 
where it was she had spent her time during the mischief that was done and by what means unable to prevent it what also was the intelligence she received and the measures thereon formed that at last brought two such strangers as mr roberts and captain ogle to meet in so remote a corner of the world the swallow and weymouth left sierra leone may twenty eighth where i have already taken notice roberts arrived about a month after and doubtless learned the intent of their voyage and cleaning on the coast which made him set down with more security to his diversion and furnish him with such intimations as made his first range down the coast in august following more prosperous the swallow and weymouth being then at the port of princes a cleaning End of chapter 9, part 6